Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above us for today. But as it's Monday, we are also taking a look at what is happening throughout the week this week. And we have a week ahead that is going to be about adjusting, <laughs> adjusting our behaviors, <clears throat> adjusting our attitudes, and preparing to go inward to make the changes inside in order to be able to see how the changes will be able to be effective on the outside. So an interesting week. I hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. Did you feel that shift from Venus in Virgo to Venus in Libra? Uh, you would have maybe noticed it from uh, it within your relationships, or maybe you noticed it in some way uh, that was around your heart center. Uh, I felt it uh, yesterday. It was pretty late in the afternoon, I think, when it actually occurred, <clears throat> maybe like three or four o'clock our time on the West Coast of the U.S. So, um, you know, maybe as late as 6 or 7 p.m. for those of you on the East Coast. And uh, it was a shift that occurred right as we were having a sort of family get together. And I love kind of the be, being able to do that and feel like the that something had changed. So sometimes it really helps to know what's going on when you feel these shifts and changes, then they make sense. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's Venus moving into Libra, the relationship sign. So no wonder things were calming down and feeling better and what have you. So uh, I hope for all of you that you had that kind of feeling. I know that there were a lot of crazy things that happened this weekend, huge earthquake in Haiti, uh, the tropical storm Fred that seems to be, I don't know, he seems to be a tropical storm, but with a whole lot more energy to him than would be suggested by the fact he's a tropical storm. And uh, just, yeah, good morning, Debbie from storm area of Fred. Uh, let's hope it all goes smoothly and he just moves on out, drops his rain and goes on, right? Hopefully without flooding and some major things. And it's interesting because I woke up this morning and it was actually raining here. I was like, wow, what happened? Uh, they said rain perhaps, but didn't really tell us it was going to rain. So it was kind of nice to see that we have had very little rain, which is typical for us during the summer. So I don't want to make it sound like it's some, you know, big old climate shift going on here in the Northwest because the summers are our, our drought periods. <clears throat> but it does seem like it has been extraordinarily dry, especially with fires and smoke and so forth in the air. And the shift in the uh, rain gives us access to cleaner air finally, maybe blowing some of that smoke out of the air for us. And so let's just keep everybody in our hearts and in our prayers as we know there are people that are suffering uh, from the devastating effects of fires, floods, and also earthquakes. So there we go. Uh, let's see. Good morning to Carol Grojean and J-Lo. Hello to you. Mimi, good morning. Good to have you with us. Allison, nice to see you. And I'm sure there are others of you out there that I don't see yet. Uh, so good morning to everybody. So today we're going to dive in a little bit to the sign of Sagittarius, as that is where the moon is sitting at the moment. And I'm not, I, I actually had a graphic sitting in my uh, desktop about the human design gates for Sagittarius, but I don't recall actually talking to you about them. 
Now that could be because of many things that have been going on in my life over the last several months or weeks. But uh, today we're going to take a little bit deeper dive into the sign of Sagittarius from both the astrology and the human design. In other words, we're looking at astro design. And as well, we're going to take a look at the week ahead. The biggest news perhaps of the week is going to be Uranus changing to retrograde. And it will then be adding to the field of planets that are already in retrograde motion. We have Pluto, we have Jupiter, we have Saturn, we have uh, Chiron already in uh, retrograde. And now we're going to add Uranus to that. Pluto, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. So we should have six planets if you count Chiron in retrograde. Let me check something here, though. Chiron, yes, Chiron is in retrograde. So at least in, through uh, later part of September, when uh, Pluto and Saturn and then Jupiter will change back to forward motion, changing up, if you will, that that energy of retrograde. So it's not unusual to have the outer planets in retrograde. For sure, they spend anywhere from four to six months in retrograde. That's because they're further out and because they're... Um, their cycles are longer. And so parts of the year we are under the influence of these retrograde planets. And several of you no doubt have one or more of these outer planets in retrograde, which usually symbolizes the need to come back to the planet Earth and sort of reframe some of the experiences that you had of those planets, perhaps in forward motion in other lifetimes. And in this one, looking at maybe going backwards a bit and uh, doing some shifting on the inner planes. So when our outer planets are retrograde, a lot of the action that could change in the outer world is really molding us, shifting us and changing us on the inner planes first. And then once they change direction again, then we begin to see the effects of those inner shifts and changes out in the world. So now we have a lot of internal, intuitive, um, inward-facing planetary energies. Now, Uranus, right, is a planet that really shakes things up in our lives. He is full of surprises, and he brings us innovation and inventiveness. He starts revolutions, right? He's a revolutionary. He has a key um, impetus for that, and it's liberation, Right? He's not trying to undermine our lives and he's not trying to make us feel bad. What he's trying to do is liberate us from something, usually from our um, own ruts, right? The, our own beliefs that we've gotten caught up in, the things that we are using to stop us from shining our light the brightest that we can. He is bringing us the unique, the wild, the unpredictable, the unusual. So it, when you classify some of those things that are going on in your life, you can almost always trace it back to where Uranus is in your chart. He is breakdown versus breakthrough. And sometimes it's the breakdown that leads to the breakthrough. Sometimes it's the breakthrough that leads to the breakdown. So we get to see the struggle between the, the way things were and the static uh, status quo and how things need to be in change. 
he pushes us out of those places that we've become stuck. It could happen in our relationships. It could happen in our finances. It can happen in our careers. It can happen in our, our personal one-on-one -on -one relationships. It can happen in our health. It can happen in many different places in the chart, mostly driven by where Uranus is in your natal chart. So if you have your astrology chart with you, take a look and see where the planet Uranus is by birth, what sign it's in and what house it's in, because that's going to tell you the foundational house where <clears throat> you likely need liberation, right? Likely where it is that you're awakening and likely where it is that you have had issues of getting caught up in a comfort zone or in a rut or getting stuck, right? So those are things that you need to look at. Where's that happening? Secondarily, you also need to look at where Uranus is now. Uranus is sitting in the sign of Taurus right at the mid degrees, 14 degrees, and he will be retrograding from 14 degrees backward to 10 degrees. So only a four degree shift, but those four degrees have been in the, the been the place that Uranus has transited through since January of 2021. So, or uh, yeah, it was January, early February, I think when he turned direct. And so it's time for us to look backwards a bit over the first, you know, several months of this year, and what things were shaping and changing, and what were the shakeups, what were the, um, the things that you were being called to release, uh, to let go of, to change, to uh, rebirth, to regenerate. Those are some of the things that you might have the opportunity now in the next few weeks, several months, actually through to January, uh, he's uh, in retrograde August 19th to January 18th of 2022. So kind of a, a longer period of time for us to be considering on the inside, what are the shifts that we need to make, right? We are being pushed out of our comfort zones, but not like, um, not like we're being pushed out of our comfort zones with no tools, right? There's genius and creativity that's available to us with Uranus in retrograde. And while Uranus is in retrograde, we may have surprising ideas or opportunities that come up for us that um, might not, you know, we might not have otherwise even entertained uh, just because of the nature of the innovative energies at this point in time. So there, and then if we take a look at the astro design, right, that's the astro design, meaning we're looking at the astrology of something and also the human design or gene keys of something. And what we see is Uranus has been sitting at the gate two and the gate two sits on the, and the point of the identity center. So the identity center is the yellow diamond right? The yellow diamond, or it might be white in your chart if you have it open. And the two sits at the very tip of it, leading down toward the sacral center. And remember, the gate two is called the gate of allowance or allowing, excuse me. So allowing, meaning being able to be receptive, being able to take in and receive, right? This is a very much feminine gate. It is the most yin gate in human design. And in the gate two, what we have is the need for us to remember that giving and receiving are the uh, different sides of the same coin. So being able to allow things to happen, to unfold in our lives, rather than pushing, rather than trying to make things happen, 
rather than being the more masculine energy, this is the energy of the divine feminine. And the divine feminine holds space for things to happen, right? For the gifts to be received. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to make a note to myself because I want to see if I can find this. Um, where am I going to write a note? Here we go. Uh, meditation. So once upon a time, I found a meditation in a book that I know I still have on my Kindle. And God help me, I can't remember the name of the person that wrote uh, Cohen. Ah, I don't remember, but I'll find it. Because there's this beautiful meditation in it about being open to receiving. And, and really, it's you just envisioning yourself oh, with your arms open. Maybe you're holding a, a bowl or a vessel of some sort. And into that vessel is being poured good and uh, abundance and love and joy. And you're holding uh, this vessel to receive all the good from the universe. And you can envision it as gold. You can envision it as white. You can envision it as sparkles or just whatever it is that for you represents that. So I'm going to try to track down the abundance meditation the receiving meditation so that I can post that up for everybody again. I remember I posted it once before, but it was probably a couple of years back um, so that you can get a glimpse perhaps into what it is that you, uh, that all of us are in um, the learning of at this moment where the path of liberation lies. Now that is the case until October 25th. Uranus will be at the gate too the gate of allowing until then. And at that point, the gate shifts, right? The gate uh, that Uranus is in shifts to the gate 24, which is up in the uh, Ajna, right? The Ajna, the second center down. And it is the gate that leads up to the head center at gate 61. So the middle gate centers of the, uh, the middle gate center of the head center leads down to the gate 24 and the gate 24 is called the gate of blessings. It is a gate where we try to rationalize all of the things that we must do in order to have the things that we want. It is a very strong gate of thinking. But when we discover that if we are just in the flow, when we're just uh, aligning ourselves with allowing, that then the blessings flow. And there's another kind of part to this gate that I always find very fascinating. And it's a gate that is almost ah, caught up in a story. And it's on the Ajna, of course, which is the center for thinking. It is the center that we think of as the brain. It is the center that we think of as all of the data processing, memory recall, comparing and contrasting. And so that particular gate has a connection for us to the past. And in the past, we're telling stories. We're telling a story to ourselves about what's possible, about what's not possible, about who we are, about what we can do, what we can't do, et cetera, et cetera. The blessings that come in the gate 24 are when we're able to shift the story, when we can embrace what's coming in from the gate 61, which is about wonder and awe and magic when we can embrace the mystical and the wonder of it all, then we begin to see that the story that we have has led us to the current potential for expressing the blessings from the story. So even a tragic story or a, a, a story of difficulty, of problems, of upsets, 
can find its way to the blessings in it. Sometimes we can't find that blessing. Sometimes it's harder than others. Some experiences that we have in our lives are are devastating and it's very difficult in the moment from that that level to see what the blessings might be but the opportunity that uranus will be bringing us over that period of time from october 25th into the beginnings of 2022 is the ability to see what the story's blessings are right so i think this is going to be Usually I think of Uranus when he turns retrograde as being a contrarian, right? Bringing up those contrary bits that we, the things that, you know, we don't want to change. Like I'm holding on to this because, because I'm right and you're wrong, right? So sometimes I think of, of Uranus as the, the um, contrarian. And when he shifts into the, the, the retrograde, the contrarian begins to give way right? He gives way to the potential for the new, for the expressions of what could be. And so that's the possibility that we have with Uranus uh, coming up this week. So that'll start on Thursday, the 19th and last through January 18th. And again, he's retrograding from 14 degrees Taurus backward to 10 degrees of Taurus. So if you look at that span of degrees, if you have planets there, or you have planets in that span in other uh, signs, there might be a relationship then between those planets and the change of Uranus's direction. So hopefully that's understandable. Let me check real quick, see if there were questions as part of that. Uh, but nope. But Asa, I hope you're out there. I haven't seen you yet. Good morning, Carol Ann Driver. <clears throat> you're new. I am welcoming you here. That's awesome. Unless you've been listening in the background and you chose to join us this morning live, but thank you for being here. And she says, I think feminine receiving and male giving is a sexually based male construct. Women give birth, nourishment, everything. Women do most of the work. We are just sitting around receiving. We give everything. I wish people would stop just repeating the same old pile of crap someone else says. Nothing personal against you. I am just pointing this out for everyone's consideration. I get what you're saying, Carol Ann. I really do. But the feminine is the receptive energy. We're not talking about women or men right? There's a difference between the great energies of the feminine and the great energies of the masculine and the um, way that they're expressed through us as people, right? We all have the capacity to balance both the male and the feminine energies, but the feminine is, is represented by the womb. And in the womb is the source of creation and creativity and all things burst from the womb, right? And the womb can be the representation of the physical birth, which you're speaking of here, where we give birth, birth blah, 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 we give birth and we give nourishment and we take care of, right, our loved ones. But we are doing that from a different place than, say, the masculine. The masculine is more assertive or more aggressive, more protective, more interested in the protection, the actual masculine, not the men, but the masculine energy is protective in nature and it also is resourceful. It's about um, extending out sustainable resources so that the procreation aspect is able to be supported, right? So we need the, the masculine and we need the feminine in all of us, right? So masculine being able to be the pushing outward energy and the feminine being the more receptive, holding space for creation energy. That doesn't mean that the feminine doesn't give. It doesn't mean that women don't give. So try not to be so um, caught up in 
in what you believe. That's a big thing that's going on here on the whole planet is like step back a little bit and just take a look at those two great energies and how we each, whether you're man or woman, embody those great energies within you, right? But they have both. In human design, let me see, I don't have, well, okay, let me do it. Let me, no, I'm going to just show it to you here. In human design, you see we have these two energies embodied right here. From the spleen to the sacral is the most uh, feminine energy. It's the energy of the divine feminine. And from the sacral to the emotional, surprise, surprise, is the energy of the, the masculine. So a lot of our thinking is all screwed up, right? Because if the great masculine is connecting to the, the solar plexus or the, the emotional energy, and we've often told, uh, you know, tell stories of men that are non-emotional, or it's not okay if you're a man to show emotion, but yet in our very human design uh, aspect, there is the component that the masculine connects to the emotional, right? The emotional energy. And on the other side, the, the feminine energy connects to the spleen, which is the center for survival. So we have the divine feminine very much involved with the survival of the species, right? The survival of our values, the laying down of the template by which we will value life how we will teach our children, how we will feed them, clothe them, house them, care for them, nurture them. Uh, all of those things are in the realm of the divine feminine in human design. While on the masculine side, it's the energy of love, right? The, the loving, emotional loving and intimacy. And of course, the sexual reproductive part of that, the protection, the going out and amassing the uh, resources that we need in order to support the feminine in her um, uh, role as the one laying down the values and teaching the children and feeding, clothing, housing everybody of the tribe. So we got away from that, though, in uh, as we became more modern humans, right? And we didn't need each other as much. We didn't need that, that tribal unit as much. We became a bit of a maverick sort of society where we were all in it alone. Even if we had families, right, there's this big push for individualism and that American spirit of the cowboy, right, or cowgirl getting out there. We let go of that uh, balanced feminine masculine where we all need one another for survival and for emotional security. So I hope that makes sense. Um Anyway, I don't find masculine men protective. I have trouble separating men and masculine, women and feminine. I think we all do in some respects, right? The minute I said masculine or I said feminine, you jumped right to women or to men. And we all do that. But we have to sort of be able to, to tease that out because embodied in the human in, in the person, in the people is a balance of these energies, right? Even hormonally, men and women have both sets of hormones, in different uh, levels to be sure, but we all carry each other's hormones, right? So there's the balancing in our physiology. It's in our thinking that we get them all um, mixed up and, and out of place and what have you. So lots of ways that we could discuss that. That wasn't my intention this morning, but thank you for bringing that up um, and uh, allowing us to you know consider that and think about maybe what it is that we think we believe, right? It's a great day for that, by the way, too, because the moon's in Sagittarius. <laughs> and in Sagittarius, we always bump up against our self-righteous beliefs, 
right? The things we think we hold so dear and the things that we find as self-evident, right? Our beliefs, our philosophies, our religions, our ideologies are all caught up in Sagittarius energy. And with the moon coming up there, now we're adding the motion, emotion of what our beliefs are, right? And the lesson in um, Sagittarius is to find the freedom in that, to find the truth. It's the quest for truth, right? And what is the real truth, right? It's not as limited, I think, as we sometimes try to make it. Uh, okay, let me go back to some of the other comments. Good morning, Londa. I love you too. Masculine is the mental body. Feminine is the feeling body. But interesting, isn't it, that in the human design, the masculine um, uh, angle is connected to the emotional solar plexus. That always gets me, right? It, it just gets me that the masculine, the most masculine uh, of uh, gates, the sexual energy is at gate 59 and it connects to the gate of intimacy at gate six in your uh, solar plexus. So we see that too. Um, all right, so uh, let's go back. And JLo, Uranus in human design is 28.1 in your chart. 51, 50.1, interesting because my conscious earth is also 28. So earth and Uranus um, bringing up some kind of lesson, right? Of <clears throat> purpose, of um, getting outside of yourself, looking for wholeness and uh, purpose, right? Purpose in the world. And love it, JLo, 1111 at that point in time. Corey, good morning to you. Christine Buckingham also noted it's 1111 or it was 1111. Um, also, she says Uranus retrograde Leo, fourth, um, eighth house natal. Uh, wait, fourth, eight degrees. Oh, eight degrees, six minutes natal. So with Uranus retrograde and Leo in your chart, so there's ego issues that you're working with in this lifetime. And ego is something that we all, I think, have been taught <laughs> that we need to lay aside or that we have to conquer in some way. But yet the ego is really sort of the interface of the of the physical you here on the planet. And it has, you know, kept you alive, right? It has kept you in a, a success of sorts. What we need to do is come to peace with the ego. And that's primarily the focus that you're having with Uranus retrograde, you're doing this again, right? This is something else that's coming up. And in the fourth house, it might have to do with home and family, your family of origin, your ancestral line. Maybe there's something that you came this time to this planet to, to uh, release in your ancestral line. So think about that and how that might play out. There you are, Asa. Good morning to you. Irene uh, Alberg, good morning. She said, much love from Sweden. It's great to have you with us. Crazy energies here, here. People affected in unpredictable weather, but I feel so deeply privileged compared to many places and countries we live in a paradise. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's another great thing for all of us to focus on is, you know, what are those blessings and how can we be in gratitude even when things don't look so good in the world? Suzanne Fulmer, good morning. Amanda J, hello. And Sylvester Miller, good morning. Sending love and positive vibes. Stay safe. I love it. Love it. Okay. Um, especially for those of you who are uh, getting ready, you know, staring down the barrel of a hurricane or what is he, a tropical storm, uh, Fred. And I think there's another one behind him called Grace, an interesting name for a tropical storm or a, a hurricane. Uh, Asa says, oh, Allison, sorry, Allison, I missed yours. Um, 
what does it mean when you have masculine gates but not the feminine defined so let's go back for a second you all have all of the human design what's different in your chart versus my chart versus someone else's chart is how they are defined right the definition in the chart so to answer your question allison so you have the masculine gate defined but not the feminine doesn't mean that you don't have that feminine energy you very much do uh, it's there but because there's definition in the masculine it's something maybe perhaps that you wanted to focus on more as the doing of this lifetime of the more masculine energy the protection meant uh, the sustainable resource building it depends on what gate you're talking about exactly i'm not sure if you're talking about the gate you might be talking about the gate 59 or the gate six but that masculine energy is um what is connected up and if the gate is hanging perhaps like say 59 or six is hanging then it plays out with other people in your life where you're meant to maybe take on more of that masculine outward uh pushing energy that more uh protective sort of energy and at other times the feminine is going to get connected up by the planets that are in transit or by the people that you come in contact with so it's not that you don't have it it's that you do but what's being focused on is the connection the way that it's connected up in the masculine so i hope that answers your question if not ask it in a different way for me <laughs> or uh add to what your question was and asa says so so true we have to learn to be in balance with all of our parts all of our energies we are both masculine and feminine exactly exactly that good morning kathleen it's good to see you londa says i I just passed it. I don't have an ego <laughs> with the big eyed emoji, which means <laughs> sure. Uh, Allison says, thank you. Very nice. Big kisses from Tahini. Or is that Tahiti? I'm not sure which, but welcome, Barry. Uh, Tahiti, there it is down there. And um, Carol Ann Driver says, hi, Londa. We met once at Wise Awakening. So up in Bellingham. So Carol Ann, you must be somewhere in our area i hope anyway let us know where you're from uh okay so um that's it that i see here so let's transition over more to what's going on with the moon today you know it's funny because the moon really represents the emotional energy that we're sitting in during a period of time from anywhere from two to two and a half days sometimes three depending on the sign and the time of the year and uh, Seattle. Okay, Caroline. Good, good, good. Thank you for letting me know that. So the emotional energy of the day today and partly yesterday as well, because later in the day, uh, the moon actually moved into Sagittarius. So today we are seeing for the full day that we're sitting in the quest for truth, right? All of our conversation here uh, seems to be about the energy of the masculine, Sagittarius, a masculine sign with emotional energy that we usually think of as distinctly feminine. And here we are looking for the what's the big T truth? What's the real truth? Right, Carol Ann, I so appreciate you bringing up an alternate version of the truth, a different piece of that puzzle, uh, a different way to look at things. And today's that day for us to take in ideas, for us to take in the, um, the different ways, the different fragments or fractals of uh, the way that we all see what the truth is. And the, <clears throat> the real truth here is that we all 
are in a pursuit of the connection to our higher selves, right? Our, our higher self that is in connection to the divine, knowing the full truth, right? And our seeking of that truth, if you will. So it takes in all of our beliefs, all of our ideologies, all of our religions, and hopefully begins a process of uh, self-reflection on where are we caught up in those beliefs or ideologies? Where have we closed the door? Where have we become so certain that we think we're right, that we have no room to take in anything else? So that is a part of the experience that we have for these next couple of days while the moon is in Sagittarius. Now, one way that we can connect to our higher self is through the natural world. Sagittarius with the moon is very much a part of the natural world, getting out into nature, um, you know, walking through the forests, getting, getting out to the rivers or to the creeks or streams or to the ocean side, um, just wherever it is that you find nature. I have somebody said to me yesterday that I'd created an oasis on my deck of flowers and I... I almost remember before my son died, the purpose of my putting all these flowers on the porch was so the, that I would have a place to go to, to find nature, right? When I wasn't able to get in the car and go, just go where I wanted to go, there was this oasis, this place, right? Of peace, of beauty, of harmony. And it draws in the bees, it draws in hummingbirds, it draws in frogs now too, it's so funny. And um, that's nature, right? And when we're in that natural world, we find more peace of mind, right? We find our intuition. We find that connection to our higher self that can then help us connect to those bigger truths. So they kind of go hand in hand. <clears throat> so get outside today. Get out into nature as much as you can. Um, the moon in Sagittarius also sort of sets us on the path to finding freedom or the adventure of the open road, right? The call of the open road. So many times since Brian died, I've felt this need to travel, to get into my car and just go or to get on an airplane and fly. Um, and then, of course, there's always the concerns about, well, then how are you going to do your work, right? Where you, what, you, you need money to travel and you still have to work. So what's the deal? Um, also, COVID, always a big consideration, like as it's popping up still everywhere around. So there's adventure and the need for us to satisfy that adventure, that call of the open road uh, that we also need to somehow work through within us. The exploration energy, I think, is what that's really about. And the spontaneity to be able to just go and to just do, but within, of course, some sort of the boundaries that we need, um, which are going to be specific to each one of us as individuals, right? Some people could just pack up and go, not think twice about it. Others, like me, I'm like, well, okay, wait a minute, Saturn and Capricorn, I've got to be responsible about it. Um, which means that I'm not going to be spontaneous about it. I'm going to have to plan it if I'm going to do a trip, right? That's the thing that I always come up against. But it doesn't stop me from the call, right? The call to be more free, to call to be the call to be more adventuresome. Now, Sagittarius is a sign that is ruled by Jupiter, so the planet of growth and expansion, of good luck, of fortune, 
right, of the more spiritual nature, um, the master within, the mastery that we're here to accomplish. And as such, it is also connected to the law, the natural laws of the universe, as well as the laws of mankind. Um, so we have attorneys and court proceedings and lawsuits and uh, ethics and morality all tied into this sign, as well as conscience. And sometimes I think that is one of the things that we're missing in the world as uh, in law and all that type of thing, our philosophies sort of black and white. And it's really hard to have black and white, but also have a conscience and grow and expand. So we have that dynamic, that push and pull that we have to work through, um, the adjusting and the, the um, uh, adapting to the different ways that we need to show up in the world. Higher education, also a part of Sagittarius energy. So mentors, our philosophies, um, seeking answers and maybe finding solutions or maybe not finding solutions, right? But still the seeking of the answers. Because there's the connection to Jupiter, there's also optimism in this sign where we have faith faith that there's a higher order in the organization of what's happening in our world, that I don't know what the purpose was of a giant earthquake in Haiti who has already had a giant earthquake, who has already had stress and strife in their country. I don't know what that's about. Um, but there has to be a higher order, a higher reasoning, a higher expression or uh, experience that is behind it. I don't know the reason why we're experiencing COVID. I don't know why we have this divisive sort of nature uh, in our world, but it must have a purpose. And that is the faith that we have, that, that everything is happening in the right way, in the right timing, and that we are doing the experience or having the experiences for the highest purpose of our soul's evolution. And there's generosity here in this sign. There's the giving, the loving, the magnanimity that Jupiter brings to Sagittarius, the fire energy of giving, right, of giving, the generous spiritual energy here, good luck and good fortune also being in the right place at the right time with the right people for the right opportunity happens when we're paying attention to our inner dynamic, our inner uh, intuition, our inner god or goddess, and we follow the path, the inklings, the intuition to the right place. Now, as we talk about with every sign, there's also the more negative aspects that can come up that maybe first show up in our lives so that we can find our way to the more positive side of the experience. And in Sagittarius, it's carelessness, right? Careless with our words, right? There's the, the bluntness that is often... Um, a part of Sagittarius, not because they're here to hurt people, but they, they get straight to the point, right? The arrow of Sagittarius is aimed right at the heart of the universe, right? So in, in, in a way, the words are aimed right at the heart for the maximal effect and maximal meaning. But sometimes that can be done and delivered in a blunt way. So we have to learn to be able to temper what we're saying, to put love in the mix, so that even though we may have a difficult message to deliver, we're doing it with our heart and with love and not delivering it with anger or hate or um, some of the more negative energies. 
There's self-righteousness in this sign. It can get so very caught up in its own beliefs and what its interpretation of truth is that then it bumps up against other people's truths and can become that fundamentalist type of thinking where um, I'm right and you're wrong, right? No matter what, because I know that I have the truth. <laughs> and the truth has set me free. And now you have to come in alignment with my truth. We're always bumping up against that <clears throat> in our world, right? Right now it's up in our faces. Um, excessiveness and extravagances as well, carelessly spending our money, our time, our resources because of Jupiter's presence as the ruler here, Jupiter being magnanimous and generous and giving, um, wants to expand, right? So sometimes we have to pull in the reins a little bit and make sure that we're not overdoing, overgiving, over imbibing. So we have that as the more one of the negative things, the lower vibrational things we might need to play with. And of course, the shortcuts. Sagittarius is really good at being careless and moving forward, tripping over things as they were in a rush to get somewhere, didn't slow down and look at the road ahead of them kind of thing. So all of us might need to be a little more aware of our surroundings, of how we are being in the world with one another, how we are being within our own environment uh, during this period of time. In the body, Sagittarius rules the hips, liver, it has conditions like sciatica that it uh, has a collaboration with or a uh, correlation with, not collaboration, a correlation to thighs, upper legs, also a part of Sagittarius when it comes to the physical expression of it. Now, wherever it is that Sagittarius is in your chart, that is likely the house that the uh, it's going to be the area of your life where the Sagittarius moon might be triggering some things. Now, when I look at this chart, this is just the chart of the day, right? I pull this chart every morning uh, that I'm on air and it just tells me where all the planets are and how they're aligned with the whole house system, which is what I use for uh, designating the houses. And Sagittarius happens to be on the fifth house in this particular chart. So the fifth house would be the house of creativity and joy and love and romance, recreation, playfulness, childlike enthusiasm. So if we were to look at that, if you had the moon in Sagittarius in the fifth house, uh, transiting your fifth house, I should say, um, then those are the concerns where you might have to be more aware of what's going on. What are your beliefs around all work and no play, right? Or um, work first, play later, those kinds of things. Uh, maybe it's in your first house and you have a fundamental personal um, mission that you have to work with, right? On how is it that I can be more part of the truth? And how is it that I can be more free? How is it that I can be uh, educating myself more, being more open-minded and open-hearted? So depending on where Sagittarius is in your chart, it will point you to the, the area of your life that needs focus right now with that Sagittarius energy. Uh, so let's look. There are three aspects that the moon will make today in relation to it being in Sagittarius. One is it will square Mercury that is almost in a conjunction to Mars in the sign of Virgo. So we also see that maybe there's some mind disruption here. So I think it was uh, Londa that said something about uh, the masculine in the mind today. Um, and 
what it reminds me of is that in the sign of Virgo, Mercury is connected to the mind and how the mind is organized, how we organize our thoughts, how we organize our actions, how we um, categorize and uh, put everything in order, right? How do we order things in our universe? And how do we order our mind? And how do we order our communication then? Because that's what Mercury is like. And then in a square, we have the challenge, right? We have the challenge to get out of the mind and to be uh, in embracing the emotions that we're experiencing as well. So Mercury in the square to the moon today. In fact, it hasn't quite happened yet. It might just be right almost on top of it at the moment. I just realized Mercury's conjunct my natal moon today. Woohoo! Um, funny because I'm thinking I feel or very organized in the way that I'm thinking and in the way that I'm speaking today, which often in the morning, I'm just like everywhere. Um, but the square to Mercury, we are challenged to blend our to let to release our the mind's control of on us and to use the emotional energy to help us determine where our minds might be overly focused in the wrong places. So using your emotions as a calibrator to put you in the right place, to aim you in the right direction of the heart, not just the mind, right? And that's a, a difficulty that we can have. As well, there's a sextile to Saturn today, which means that the moon in Sagittarius, which has the ability to push us to take action in a certain area, is in alignment with Saturn, who is in Aquarius, right, that is uh, helping us to become more future oriented, to see the sort of handwriting on the wall, and to be able to move with inventiveness and innovation into the future. Because if we look backwards, uh, we can see that all of the destruction of 2019, 2020, and the early parts of 2021, um, we can't keep trying to solve the problem the same ways that we've always tried to do it. And now Saturn pushing us to find new solutions, new ways of doing things. And then, of course, because Mercury and Mars are almost in a conjunction, we also have a square from Mars in Virgo to the moon in Sagittarius. That'll come a little bit later in the day as Mars is at 11 degrees of Virgo. The moon at the time I drew the chart this morning was only at six degrees of Sagittarius. Mars is a, a catalyst. He's an action principle, right? He's very masculine energy. He's the masculine energy of assertiveness, even aggressive nature, dynamic forward motion. But in Virgo, in a systematic, more planned sort of way, earth energy down to earth, right? And even a little bit um, aloof, there is a sort of uh, need with both of these pieces, Mercury and Mars in Virgo to use discernment very powerful tool that we have to be able to discriminate what is correct or to discern what is correct versus what is not. And um, using that today as a tool and for the next few days, actually this particular transit of um, Mars carries us, where Mars is in Virgo, carries us into uh, the week's energy. And it's an important part, I think, of this whole thing, Mercury in a conjunction to Mars, and how that will play out as time goes on. So uh, be aware, right? Be aware. Where is Sagittarius in your chart, but also where is Virgo in your chart? Okay, so questions about any of that? I should... Um, uh, 
there we go. And so let me take a look here. Uh, hi, Corey. I see. Okay, question from Allison. Okay, so all right, no other questions. All right, so now let me go back to comments really quick. Carol Grojean, I just finished Joseph Campbell's book, The God of Goddess. The original myth had women, solar, men, lunar. Ooh, I would love to hear that. I would love to hear about that because there's also, I um, Ursula got me interested in this, in, in listening to Chiron, not Chiron, Cryon. Uh, this was actually before Brian died and I haven't picked it back up since his passing, but in, in the book Cryon, The 12 Layers of DNA, there's a very powerful feminine energy, a Lemurian feminine energy that uh, Cryon talks about. And so I would recommend this book to anybody that wants to take a look further into the, the divine feminine. And of course, Carol, that book, Goddess, I have not read that. Uh, I may go looking for that book for more insight uh, as to what all of this means. And it's very possible that the solar feminine was in the days of the divine feminine's rise, right? And it was the divine feminine, the matriarchy, if you will, that uh, was the the power, the in-charge power. That since shifted, of course, to the masculine, to the patriarchy, and not necessarily to a very positive end, as it turns out, as there are a lot of things that have happened in the history since then that have shown us that when the masculine is uh, in its wrong place or focused in the wrong area, that a lot of damage happens on the planet. Not blaming you men, that is not my purpose there, but that when we've sort of mixed up the roles of the divine feminine and the divine masculine, that uh, a, a lot of negative things can happen. So we're in the process of righting that ship, I would say. Um. Ooh, Carol Ann, I see. Okay, she said, I brought that up because I've seen male astrologers use the masculine feminine as a weapon in their messages. Yowza, not necessarily a positive thing at all. Um, Allison, okay, both defined 59 and 6, I gotcha. So you have that whole channel of productivity, of um, the um, sustainable nature of resources, right? And being able to bring in that divine masculine energy. Um, okay, watching National Geographic and YouTube travel videos are good for now. Oh, that's a great idea, Christine. I'm so grateful for this planetary push that feels uh, that I feel. That's from Natasha, Kathleen Mallory, Sagittarius Risings, your personality there. Uh, my perception is I believe I'm guided to my blessings that are being laid in front of me. Thank you, Shadows, for your gifts. That's also from Natasha. JLo, I like Cryon. JLo, there's also many YouTube videos you can dip into also. Uh, yeah, actually, there's a whole YouTube channel. Um, there are a lot of things about Cryon um, that you can find. Um, you know, I think you could put Chiron, Cryon, not Chiron, Cryon, comma, divine feminine, and you'd probably come up with some really good videos that can support that idea of what the divine feminine is really about. Time, 10 minutes till. Okay, let's take a quick look at the whole of the week, and then I'm going to draw some cards for us that embody the consciousness of the week. Today, we really have no big energies at play, um, and likely that's because of Venus's move yesterday into Libra, and I think for some of you that were maybe in Europe, that that actually happened this morning, right, early this morning for you all, 
And so it's kind of that bridge between the Sunday and Monday that we are dealing with new, newly Venus into the sign of Libra. Let me tell you what that, de that degree was. Do, do, do. Oh, Venus is at uh, just zero degrees. So she's just there, zero degrees, 27 minutes. So she's just into the sign of Libra, kind of on that cusp, setting the tone for what the next three or four weeks will be while she transits through that sign. Tomorrow is the new HD week, the new human design week. And then Wednesday, Mercury is in the conjunction to Mars. Now that's a great day for great ideas, for sharing, for movement, for mental movement, for action, right? For action. Um, it can also feel a little bit like burnout if you're overly in the mind processes or if you're taking too much action. So beware of that. Thursday, of course, Uranus turns retrograde at the same time the sun opposes Jupiter. And the sun opposing Jupiter is a part of the sun-Jupiter yearly cycle. It's sort of the full moon aspect, if you will, of that, that uh, dance that sun and Jupiter do every year. So we're bringing something into fullness, right? The lessons and the expansion of, of our uh, sun and Jupiter in our transits. And that might mean we have to let go of something. We might have something revealed to us, like an aha moment, something that sets us on a new path. Friday and on Saturday, Mercury and Mars will trine the planet Uranus, who is newly in retrograde, giving us maybe access to some new ideas, some new um, pathways that are opening up for action. And on Sunday, the full moon in uh, Aquarius, in fact, at 29 degrees of Aquarius at 5.02 a.m. Pacific time, and then followed by the sun moving out of the sign of Leo and into the sign of Virgo at 2.35 p.m. West Coast time. So 5.35 p.m. for those of you on the East Coast. So the seasons are changing or the, the signs are changing, taking us into some new seasonal energy as well. Now, quickly, before I end the morning and totally forget to do this, uh, I want to share my screen and go to... Um, Let's see if I opened it up. I didn't open it up. So hold on. Um, but um, hmm, it would be in. Oh, it'd be in downloads. Yes. Okay. Just one second, guys. Uh, downloads. Hmm. Nope. It's in pictures. And what did I call it? Is anybody else's mind like going nuts? Oh, I called it August 16th Astro Design. How amazing is that? <laughs> uh, okay, let me get back here and share the screen because I want to make sure I show you the Astro Design. Uh, what gates that this week's energies are playing in. So what your or today's energies even or um, Sagittarius energy. So the first thing I want you to note is um, if it's red, the 29 and the 30, that's telling us what gates that the sun and earth will be in starting tomorrow. Um, the sun is moving into the gate 29, the gate of commitment, the gate of saying yes. And saying yes, by the way, is a response mechanism. It's not something that your mind is bringing up that you say yes to. It's saying yes or no to in response to things that are showing up in your outer world. 
the 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 problem here is sometimes we say yes to everything like we're so into saying yes that we forget that we aren't we don't need to say yes to everything when we do we can only half-heartedly maybe participate in those things so learning to say yes to the correct things what are the correct things well the earth gives us the challenge for the next several days, starting tomorrow, to follow our hearts, to be in alignment with our desires, to um, know what it is inside of us that we're passionate about. And then we say yes to the things that match that passion, not to the things that we feel obligated to say yes to, or that seem exciting in the moment because we're maybe catching the enthusiasm of somebody else, uh, but to the things that are truly, authentically, um, what we are passionate about. So that's what the sun and the and earth will be bringing us starting tomorrow. Um, but looking at then the the places where the black lines are, this is where the uh, the gates are for Sagittarius. And um, the hold on because I didn't finish this this morning apparently because usually I write what the gates are and the order they're in. So let's take a look at this for um, the gates starting on. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, excuse me, was the gate 14. The gate 14 right here was the first gate, the first Sagittarian gate. And this gate is a gate of, uh, it's a masculine energy of doing, right? This, notice how many gates are on the sacral right now as we move into this week. We have four, five of the uh, nine sacral gates defined off and on, right? The moon is moving through a couple of them today and then some tomorrow, but the sun is going to be at the gate and uh, as, at a gate on the sacral, which is telling us that there's a lot we have to consider in terms of what we do, right? Our doingness. Um, the, the energy of the sacral isn't also just doing, it's about our beingness. So we're taking into consideration our doingness and our beingness. And maybe it's more important to have it in a different order, our beingness. And that drives our doingness, right? Who do we be? Who do we want to be? And then we do based on that, right? So that is a consideration. This is also a financial gate, uh, the gate 14 that the moon was at yesterday and into early this morning. And since then, the gate... Uh, has transited, or the moon, excuse me, has transited into the gate 34, which is a busy, busy, busy gate. It's a gate of doingness, doing in response to what is showing up in the world, in your outer world. Later in the day today, we move to the gate nine. The gate nine is a gate of focus. What you're focusing on is what you're creating. So we'll have to learn about that with the Sagittarian energy. Then we go to the gate five. I'm so surprised that the gate five is actually a Sagittarius gate because I would have pegged it as a Virgo gate because it's about routine. It's about setting up a plan. It's about doing things with a specific rhythm and in a specific harmony, in a specific timing. So Sagittarius energy takes us into the timing of things as well. And then uh, later on today, tomorrow, excuse me, in the morning, we have the, the moon moving into the gate 26 about integrity and consciousness, conscience, and how do we live our lives in moral, ethical, um, physical, mental, emotional integrity. And then the fine, then up to the gate 11 in the Ajna. So we skip from the uh, uh, sacral and we move up to the Ajna. So now we're addressing our thoughts in terms of ideas, the gate 11, lots of ideas. 
So if you need ideas for, or you need inspiration for ideas, uh, that's coming to us tomorrow. Uh, and we'll have a dipper full of ideas, an ocean full of ideas for some people. The key here with the ideas is that you act upon those that are correct for you, right? And you know which ones are correct for you based on your type and your strategy, and then also your authority. For example, if you're emotionally defined, you do what feels good, what feels correct, what feels right, which makes that makes what makes you happy. And if you have a different type of authority, say splenic authority, you go with the your gut instinct, your intuition. So lessons this week will have a lot to do with what ideas are we going to take action on because we can't we cannot take action on all of them and then finally the gate 10 uh, will be the last gate that the moon will hit and that is uh, just partially uh, it starts on uh, Wednesday morning before the moon shifts over out of Sagittarius and into Capricorn and it's the gate of self-love what is the most self-loving thing that we can do so that for ourselves, right, self-love is as important as the love of others. In fact, some would say, if you don't love yourself enough, how can you love others enough? So there's always that that we're working with. All right. Now let's pull a couple of cards. Uh, I love pulling for our, um, our weekly collective. I like pulling from the uh, Wisdom of the Oracle deck. This one by Colette Baron reed as well. I like pulling an animal spirit card from us from her animal spirit deck. So let's do that and see what we got going. What kind of animal can help us? What spirit guide can help us to get through this week with as much positivity, as much benefits as possible and guide us even. <laughs> Porcupine. Ooh. Porcupine spirit, and it was upside down, which means it's in protection. And it says, Time for beginner mind. I would say that says, like, dump the mind, right? Time for beginner mind. And it's card number 48, which is a 12, which is a three. So we have creative energy there. And we also have the potential for that scattered thinking. And the only way to get out of scattered thinking is to get out of the mind. So let's see what our little message is here from Porcupine. I think that's probably the first time we've actually pulled Porcupine in uh, as many times as we've used this deck. So the protection message says, are you feeling prickly and defensive lately and assuming you will be hurt before you have seen any sign that such a reaction is called for? Perhaps an old sense of guilt and shame is causing you to be cynical and wary when you are meant to be open and curious. Self-protection is a good thing, but you may be protecting yourself from something that will not actually harm you, but instead will bring you abundance, happiness, and love. Remember your innocence and you will see what you have been overlooking. Porcupine quills are filled with air, allowing a porcupine to float in water. I did not know that. Now is a time to let your innocent nature keep you buoyant. Love it, love it, love it. Now, let's get a Wisdom of the Oracle card to guide us along this week and of course friday i will be back on air and we'll talk more about the full moon and i would love to see what your uranus um retrograde experiences might be like what surprises came up what unexpectedness is there and i got for us here and now 
card 32, which is a five. It was also upside down and in protection mode. So here's the card. I'm sorry, I'm scattered all of a sudden because I can hear the fire alarms ringing at the fire station, not far from here. Hopefully there's not an accident or a fire. Um, there we go, here and now. And let's take a look and see. It was again, upside down, card 32, which is a five, which sometimes brings change, but is also the constructive use of freedom, 32. Okay, so the essential meaning of the here and now card is about being fully present in the moment, living one day at a time. And the protection message from this card says, whenever you find your mind drifting into the past, wondering if things could have or should have been better, or whenever you find yourself longing for the good old days, you leak power. The same is true of looking too far ahead and hoping the future will provide you with certainty. Driven by ambition, you might wander too long in a place with no substance and forget that you are here today. The past and future are illusions. Whenever you leave the present moment, you're disconnecting from your inherent power to manifest your reality with true substance. Neither past nor future can give you what you need. Now is all that counts. Come back from those eternities and be here now. All will be well and miracles will appear as if by magic in the perfect timing of spirit. Wow. Those are two good cards, I think, for us to have this week or to hold this week. Porcupine and the here and now. All right. So that is it for me. I will see you all on Friday. We'll take a look at that full moon. We'll also take a look at um, the uh, what else was happening, sun opposing Jupiter and see what big things might be happening, revelations, etc. In the meantime, all of you have a great day. Much love to all of you. See you on Friday. Bye for now.